Well, it's time again for Stories from Bittersweet Farm. I'm Ken Pierpont, and today's story is chapter 26 from my first book, Sunset on Summer. And the title of the story is Tribute to My Dad. You probably don't know my dad. He doesn't have a radio program. He's not a published author. He doesn't oversee a large staff. He's never been the keynote speaker at the conference. He's always been a full-time pastor, but he's often been a full-time school teacher or Christian school principal or even church custodian at the same time. His specialty has been new church plants or recovery works. Over the years, he's been attracted to churches that don't interest other men. He's always run his own bulletin, years of that on mimeograph machines, which should qualify him for a special crown. He does his own building maintenance. He watches the thermostat on the hot water heater and the thermometer in the church building during the week in order to be a good steward of God's money. He mows the lawn in the summer, rakes the leaves in the fall, clears the snow in the winter. He always does yard work in a tie so he can quickly get to the jail or the hospital or the home of last week's visitor. I've been with him dozens of times when he's gone miles out of the way to get a carload of children who were not welcome in other churches. He's a tender-hearted man with a special interest in the unlovely. I've been with him on calls where he doubled as a plumber or auto mechanic. Wherever he's gone, he has served faithfully with integrity and diligence, and he's made a mark. The mark has been modest but eternal. Observing my dad over the years has forced me to carefully evaluate what it means to be a successful man. In the world, if a man has a combination of wealth, strength, athletic ability, sexual attractiveness, position, respect, power, and influence, if he has the right toys and the right image, he's considered successful. Many men have an insatiable lust for success. They're driven to achieve it. They thirst for its rewards. They fantasize about it. They sacrifice for it. Millions will sacrifice their family, their integrity, their leisure, their health, their peace of mind, just for a taste of the coveted nectar of success. There are many, however, who cannot seem to put all the pieces together, and these men sometimes fake it. And they try to surround themselves with the accoutrements of success. They borrow to buy impressive wardrobes. They they live beyond their means. They swagger and brag in a kind of pitiful bravado. They sit at the feet of motivational hucksters and pop psychology gurus, hoping to find the right combination of factors that will catapult them to the pinnacle of personal success. There are casualties in this war for success. Men lie wounded on the battlefield like so much twisted, smoldering wreckage. For every man who dons the decorations of the war hero and marches in the parade of popular adulation, there are a thousand who join the grisly carnage of failure, and these men consider themselves worthless, inconsequential, also-rans, reject on the scrap heap of humanity. They curse their fate, and they become hostile, or they just plod on through life with a spirit of pitiful resignation. But there are thousands upon thousands of men who have achieved success, who completely break the conventional mold. And these are men who seem to be playing the game of life by a different set of rules, and they're winning. They're not necessarily handsome. Few of them have acquired wealth. They're not usually athletic or even particularly good physical condition. They're certainly not in envied positions of power. They don't jet around the country or command hearings with important people. They don't boast of great sexual conquest. They usually live in obscurity. They may have 
very limited abilities. They're not all highly intelligent. These men are successful, but they will never make the cover of a magazine or be featured in a television interview. Their achievements are modest. They'll live and die unknown beyond their immediate circle of family and friends, but they'll taste the sweet fruit of success because a successful man has a certain spiritual vitality. He has cultivated his inner man to the point there's an obvious spiritual radiance about him. He seems to live life on a higher plane than most others. He has a deep, resonant purposefulness about him. His energies and schedule, his conversation and use of money, they seem to drive toward that purpose and work in harmony. He's a man of integrity. He can be depended upon to consistently do what's right. He inspires trust and confidence in people who do not even know him well because his eyes are clear. Those who do get to know him are not disappointed because he is what he appears to be. He is honest, but not pseudo-pious. He's confident, but not arrogant. He's meek, but not vacillating. He's generous, but not foolish. He's humorous, but not frivolous. He's spiritual, but not detached. He's firm, but not abrasive. He's strong, but not rough. And he always gives more than he takes. He fails. He sins. He has personal weaknesses and character defects, but he admits his failures, writes his wrongs, and is quick to seek forgiveness. He is constantly working to develop his personal character. A successful man knows the love of his family. He's won the admiration of his wife and the affection of his children. His wife and children want to please him because he's devoted his life to serving them. His home is in order. It's not without its share of sickness or disappointment, financial challenges and emotional cycles, misunderstandings and pressures, but he is able to bring an inner tranquility to it. He is purposeful and proactive. He knows where he's going and what he needs to accomplish. He ruthlessly insists that every activity contributes to the overall goal. And why is he successful? And how did he achieve this profile? And what's the principle that unifies all that he does? How does he avoid the dangerous, alluring traps that claim so many of his peers? And how does he keep from being distracted by pleasures that seem innocent but damage his home, disappoint his friends, and destroy his soul? His secret is that he is at one with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. He has exchanged his own will for the will of God. He has made the word of God the continual meditation of his heart and the ways of God his consuming desire. And because of that, though the culture in which he lives may not recognize it, he is a successful man. And that's consistent with the sweet promise of the first psalm. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. My dad's like that. He's a foot soldier in the army of God. I've had four decades to consider what it means to be a successful man. I used to wonder if my dad was one. The best way to, I know to summarize my conclusions is in the words of a lovely old song. Does the place you're called to labor seem so small and little known? It's great if God is in it and he'll not forsake his own. Little as much when God is in it, labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you run in Jesus' name. And that's a song that harmonizes with Peter's words. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am an 
fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. That's the story from out on Bittersweet Farm today, where every day is a beautiful day and a little light in the kitchen is always on.